0: So you'll get a free trial, and if you like it and want to continue, it'll give you 30% off a subscription. So just try it out, play a few rounds with it, and I know you'll love it. So that's Tangent, T-A-N-G-E-N-T, and enter code SWEET30. Welcome back
1: to another episode of The Sweet Spot. This is John Sherman from Practical Golf, and as always, I'm joined by...
0: Adam from Adam Young Golf.
1: So we're joining you... Well, it's not actually 2023, so I don't want to lie to people, but when you're listening to this, it'll be 2023. So this is part two of our discussion with Kent Osborne. If you have not listened to part one, you're going to want to do that. These are sequential. So we talked a bit with Kent about what you can do to have a productive year-end review of your golf game. I think Kent gave some really interesting pieces of action for you to do, hopefully Some of you have sat down with your notebook and pen and gone through some of the exercises. If not, you can still do that before you continue listening to this. Kent, thanks for coming back. Why don't you give, can you give us a 30-second summary of what you wanted everyone to do in the last episode, and then we'll get straight into this episode. If you can, if 30 seconds is, I'm challenging you there.
2: I'd like you to begin by understanding that you have a conscious mind and a subconscious mind, and... The the heart of this work is influencing your subconscious, influencing your beliefs. Goal setting is really a threefold process. It's about knowing what you want to achieve. It's about believing that you can get there. And it's about mapping a journey that is going to get you from where you are now to where you want to go. So what I'd be recommending as a start is to, to be before you identify your goal, you, you can do some things to stir up your thinking in a way that will potentially make your goal setting more on bullseye as opposed to just on target. And what I'd recommend you to do is you would, first of all, get really clear on why you played the game. Get an understanding of what you enjoyed last year and what you didn't enjoy from a golfing perspective. And, and the third thing I'd ask you to do is Think about the the, the best round you played or the best stretch of holes you played last year and and what was it about that experience, not just the score, but what was it about that experience that was special for you? And when you've stirred up your thinking in that way, then I'd ask you to say, okay, what is it that you want to achieve next year? And of course, there's going to be numbers around that. I'd like to be able to shoot this number or I'd like to be able to win this. But the, the essence of that would be, what kind of a state do you want to bring to the golf course what kind of a, what kind of experience do you want to have what kind of relationship do you want to have because for me at least as a as a pay to play recreational player that's that's always paramount in my mind my scores are important i want to shoot the lowest score i possibly can and i'm there to to have an enjoyable experience. So if you do that kind of thinking get yourself get yourself started and then you want to move into the thinking about your beliefs which is all about you know how you manage your memories.
1: So we looked back on 2022. Now as we look ahead to 2023 how can we do that productively without I'm sure you'd agree that a lot of golfers make mistakes in this process where maybe their goals are too lofty they're not specific enough maybe they don't align with what they want to get out of the game so what's a productive place to start when you because i think us as humans we have this uh i forget what book i read it was a long time ago but it's one of our curses is that we can have these expectations and look ahead and, and paint this picture of a life that we want and unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't match up and then we're left with this yeah. disappointment. So, how do, how do we avoid that in golf when we look ahead?
2: Well, I think in golf, it's, it's pretty hard to avoid disappointment in general. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, accept that you're going to be disappointed is, is the first step at some point. I would
2: accept that if you're on a – we'll talk about this towards the end. But if you're part of – why it's important to understand that this is a journey. Every journey has its ups and downs and there's seasons within your season – so you have to you have to appreciate that. But I would say that if you have done the work and you've identified those, those three or four memories from the past that are really in line with your goal, that really would convince you. The word I like to use is convince you. You know, what from your past would convince you that this goal that you've identified is possible? And then what you want to do is you want to ask yourself, okay. What would I have to experience to convince me that my goal was fulfilled? And you want to move into, you want to pick two or three times in the future. And you want to go, you want to create a mental movie here. It's like you're looking at your YouTube in your mind. And in the same way that you can look into a past to a round you played a month ago and remember it, I want you to look into the future and identify this future memory and actually create that memory in your mind. So what you don't want to do is you don't want to stay at a, just at an ideal level. You don't want to just stay at a conceptual level. You don't want to just say, well, you know, I want to win this turn. I want to win my club championship next year. Well, that's nice, but that doesn't do anything at a subconscious level to influence you. What you need to do is you need to take those memories that you've touched base with, and then you, you create a, you create a trajectory, if you want to, and you and you connect with a memory of the future. And you literally then go into that moment in the future. So if I'm on the if I'm on the it would be, you know, I'm on the 18th hole on Sunday afternoon, and I'm playing with John and Adam. And at the end of the round, John says to me this and Adam says to me that, and I'm feeling this way, I know I've just played a great round of golf. And then I go back into the round and I imagine myself hitting this shot, on this tee shot on 14 and, and making this putt on 12 and et cetera. So I'm, I'm creating this string of memories in my future. And because what's, what's most important about that is the emotion that you feel. I guess one of the ways that that one of the first or one of the oldest depictions of this understanding is in the story of the of the Holy Grail. And the in the the French version, I'm not French, but I think it's called La Croix d'El Saint Grail. In the French version, they talk about how the Grail appears, and they talk about how King Arthur and his knights are all sitting around a table, and and the Grail appears before them, and it's covered in a cloth so that they can they can can't really see it that clearly so the idea is like it's a vision but they talk in the story about every night seemed lit from within and every you know whatever each night wanted to eat appeared in this place and it seemed like all the spices of the earth were spread before them and so you ask yourself well what what could this what could this possibly be saying from a wisdom or an insight point of view is what it's saying is you have the internal experience first and then you get the experience in reality. And what most of us will do is, oh, you know what? If I if I could shoot this number, or if I win this tournament, if I do these things, if I have these things out there, if I had all those things, then I'd feel really great. But that ancient story and, and my experience working with people would suggest that The way to do it is the the reverse. You want to have the feeling first and foremost, and you want to let that feeling propel you into what you do on a daily basis.
1: So when I go through that exercise and think, and I thought about what great positive things have happened in the prior year, it it, it kind of reveals two, two sides of me. So one memory was I had a really special like golf trip experience with some friends of mine, got to play some like bucket list golf courses. And I just very intensely remember like walking around, like soaking it all in and like those hundreds of little micro memories of being there. And that represents like the golf experience side of me where like, I want to continue having these like great experiences and they're not competitive, like, Mm. Were we playing a match? Maybe like it, yeah, you know, that the score and my performance was almost irrelevant. It was just like the actual sensation of walking around the golf course and being on this special place. And then the other part of me is the moments where I'm in competition coming down the stretch, and I've grown to love that feeling of intense focus. Mm. I was telling my wife this the other day. Like, I feel unfortunately running an internet business has <laughs> ruined my attention span. Just being online, and, and and I'm starting to look into the science of how to unwind that because I think a lot of us are struggling with with losing our attention. And the thing that I love the most about competing now is that I can get so intensely focused in the moment on golf and not be distracted by anything else. That it's almost like this welcome experience for me now. And it's not about like winning or like you yes. know. It's just like I, I love that 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 test of yeah, there's pressure. And and can I go into this like little, I I call it my mental cocoon. So those are my two feelings that I'm going towards. I want more of that in 2023. So I'm just going to keep going towards that. And if that leads me to winning a club championship or hopefully placing well in a tournament, great. I've just booked a trip to Scotland. I'm going to play outside of North America for the first time ever. I'm excited for that. But like, those are like kind of my, what I want to go towards in golf are those two feelings.
2: So without telling me specifically what it is, because I think that you should keep this to keep this private, but I would ask you to, to go into a situation and ask yourself, okay, what arguably is the most important tournament for me in 2023? And what would have to be happening on that in that tournament on the 18th hole or in any hole? But what would have to be happening in that tournament to fully convince you that you had been able to 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 bring that feeling of intense focus. What would you be if you're looking through your own eyes? And again, don't don't tell me any of the details in terms of where you are or anything, but if you're looking through your own eyes as you go through this exercise, what are you noticing? What are you feeling?
1: Total super calmness and like clarity, I would say.
2: Go right into a specific shot.
1: Standing over a putt and you know being in that that zone where I'm just getting into myself into like this bit of a trance and it's not even thinking about the putt itself. It's more of like what's going on up here. It's like, I, I, um, there's a, I don't know. It's just like this locked in, like it's hard to describe it, but I know what it feels like and I like it. (laughs)
2: Right. And, and how do you know that that you're having this feeling in this tournament that's really important to you? What, What are you noticing about the players that you're with or the circumstances? How do you know it's, it's happening at that tournament?
1: I don't see them okay <laughs> i don't even notice them i don't i don't know when, I, when i'm that if, if it's in the actual process of the shot itself is that the thoughts of missing the putt or what my playing partners are doing it kind of just fades into the distance it's quiet cool. Or even the moments in between shots i'm you know so i guess calm and peaceful and just taking in the experience of the day and it, it's it's you know compared to like what I, what I don't want to feel like is, oh crap, you know, you got to make two or three birdies coming in or what happened on the third hole, like that, that type of thing. So it's obviously I'm talking about remaining present and, and, and being like super, you know, zoned into what's going on. It makes me feel good.
2: So, so you understand the experience on the left brain side, you could, you could list all the criteria for that. What's important is that you would be able to Tap into that future memory in a on the right brain side because that's what influences your subconscious. Think about it like a sexual fantasy. If you were lying on your bed and you're fantasizing about sex, well, if you if I just asked you, you know, do you like sex? Well, yes that's just left brain but if you were fantasizing about sex you'd have an immediate physical reaction
1: you know there's so many golfers fantasizing about golf more than sex well the that time. could be true
2: <laughs> <laughs> they're probably
1: just the same <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm, I'm, I'm about to turn 68 so that is absolutely true but the point of the matter is your' your 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 mind can't tell the difference between something that you vividly imagine and something that and something that's really happening out there
1: well I it we we did talk about this. I, I think what was interesting, I never won anything in golf until last year. And I think the thing that changed for me is that I actually had a very clear fantasy of like holding a trophy. And like, it, it seemed like very clear to me. I didn't force that. It just kind of, maybe it was like my brain telling me I was ready to do it or something yeah. like that. But it, it was a strange feeling where I was like, I remember telling my wife, I'm like, I have this like very clear image of me, like, you know being in some type of ceremony of, of winning something. beautiful, But I didn't like, it just kind of happened on its own. Maybe that was, but it took many blunders and failures and worrying about not doing that, sure. I guess, to get there. Who knows? Sure.
2: And and having your subconscious mind aligned with that possibility is one of the ingredients in the soup.
1: Yeah, and I think there's so many versions of that, people listening to this. I think, you know, w- what can you come up with on your own that, that satisfies you in that? In that way, because I think the answer could be different for a lot of golfers.
2: And what I'm trying to say is that you want to make that imaginary experience so vivid, you you go into a positive emotional state. And it's that positive, it's that emotional state that sticks it into your belief system. It's not the idea of it. If you just stay with the idea of it, yeah, you know, I could say, well, I'd I'd like to do this, I'd like to do this, I'd like to do this, I'd like to do that. It has no impact on you. it has no impact on your belief system. If it's going to impact your belief system. You have to feel really good when you're imagining it. And if you think about it, neurologically, what I understand is that is that you know neurons that fire together wire together, right? So the more times you have this experience, the more times you go to this imaginary experience, the more you've created this neurological pathway to those emotions and that feel and those and the feeling that's associated with that. Again, it's not, it's not the whole enchilada, but it's a big part of it. So then how do you feel
1: about, I'm always trying to give golfers different avenues to setting goals, realizing them, maybe redefining them. So what's your take on the classic, you know, smart goals? Specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. Is that that's the uh, reading off
2: here? I would say mostly left brain. And I would say if it happens to align with someone's belief system, great. And if, But it's not the way that I, if, if someone would come to me and ask me for help with a goal-setting thing, I would not put them through a smart goal process. There may be yeah, there I may think- be elements of that thinking there because you do need to use your left brain logic in the process. But for my money, what's most important is with a client is is have is this guy changed? His, is he crystal clear in what he wants? Is he really be honest with himself, heart and soul? I want to hold that trophy. And number two is, do I have a belief system that's aligned with that? Which means. Am I connected with memories in the past? And am I connected with memories in the future that that make that, that suggests that that's a possibility for me?
1: Yeah, I think there's, you know, we we did do, we've done some other episodes on goals and I'm not someone who likes, I don't set measurable goals for myself in golf. I've found more of the habit-based stuff, but other people, like I know very analytical people, I think Adam probably would be different than me in this. Some people have to say like, "Well I want to achieve X handicap and then they can go analytically yeah. and go down the list of all the things they do like i I, I just don't I don't do stuff like that I, I think I do it like at a higher i don't sit down and write them down, but maybe like it's it's going on and what I'm noticing but that's why I like I, I like getting dis- different perspectives on these things because not everyone's the same in my opinion
0: well, I do that I do the I do the analytical side of it, but I've also I also do vision boards as well. Uh, I actually create vision presentations. So I I open a PowerPoint presentation and each slide is a different goal or aspect of a goal. And sometimes I'll over the morning coffee, I will spend time just gathering screenshots that, that align with that goal. You know, if it's a Uh, If it's a travel goal, for example, you know, I want to do some van life at some point in my life. And so I just, you know, get pictures of cozy vans. And so I'm really visualizing being there and experiencing that moment. And I always pick an image that I have some emotional connection to. If I see an image that is, it might be a great image, but if I don't feel a certain way, I don't put that in my vision board.
2: Perfect. See, that's what, I mean, just popped into my mind. One of the things that was... I think brilliant about Ben Hogan, you know, in his book Five Fundamentals. I mean, obviously Hogan was a phenomenal golfer, but but the imagery that he put in there, you, you know, the, the, your arms tied together and wrapped with bands, and and you're swinging under this pane of glass. I mean, that to me, that stuff is that stuff is brilliant because it engages that that whole brain thinking.
1: <laughs> so. So you, you would prefer people to go through this visualization exercise more often then.
2: well, that's where we get into that. That's a great, if uh, I'm jumping the gun, no, a great segue and into the third piece. So, so the first part, you've got to be really clear and what, and really honest about what you really want. And, you know, you, we talked earlier about, you know, you stir up your thinking so that you can. You can establish that, whatever it might be.
1: Well, let me kind of stop you for a second because I I think this is important because people will ask themselves this question and I think the answers could be vastly different because some people will say, well, I want to get to a five handicap. And in my opinion, I don't think anything, I don't want to speak for people, but I've had handicaps come and go and I don't really feel any different about myself. It, it, that's why I defer more towards, like we were, we were, you and I were talking briefly when we weren't recording and I was telling you how I kind of got burnt out playing too much in tournaments. So I stopped for a while. I I veer more towards like my goals are like, what's making me happy and enjoy going out there and excited to play. And that can change throughout the year. Sometimes I have to compete more. Some other times I don't want to compete more, but yeah, that, that's the only thing I worry about with certain golfers when they set numerical goals for themselves because that's what the game leads you to do. This is a numbers game in the end. Everyone asks, when you shoot, what's your handicap? And and I think, and this is like a a thing with money in life too, where you set like a money goal and you're like, oh, I want to save this amount of money. It comes and it goes and you're like, okay, what's the next milestone? And then you're never, I think you can get stuck sometimes where you're actually maybe never satisfied and you just keep chasing the next one. Maybe some people enjoy that, but I'm just getting, trying to get people to think about that. Sometimes it's the, not the handicap goal is the answer. It's more of what what you're saying. I think is interesting to bring up is what does that even mean? What do I really want? Is that making me happy? Do I like enjoy this time that I'm could be using elsewhere for golf? If, if
2: someone came to me as a coach and said, "Look, you know, I I really want to be a five handicap," at some point probably I would say to them, "So, you know, if I want you to, let's go out into the future." Let's imagine you're you're stepping onto the first tee, and you're a five handicap man. Your handy your index is now index is now four point five. Tell me, how do you feel? What's different about the way you're approaching this round? What's different for you, both internally, but your your, your shot selections, like what's how is your experience different because you've, you've got this you've got this number associated with it, and normally by going that route. They will start to talk about you know. Well, I feel more confident. I feel this. I feel that. I feel something else. So Many roads to Rome, but for me, I, I like to go from the, especially because I'm a. I like playing in competitions, and you know, if my if my goal is to is to win this competition, and that's the only thing that matters. Well, what happens if I go out and I shoot literally the best round of my life, and some crackerjack decides to enter the tournament and beats me by five strokes? Does that mean does that does that mean I failed?
1: That is the hard part about golf. No, that that's why I bring this up because there are binary results in golf. But yeah. the truth is that a lot of that, as you as you suggested, in the context of winning, a lot of it is out, out of your control in, in comparison to other sports, because we're not facing an opponent physically. Like we can't physically overpower someone like in another sport. Like things can happen that are totally outside of our control. That makes the game a bit strange when you go at it from that perspective, like the win or loss perspective, is what I mean.
2: So to go back to what we're what we're talking about, so now you've got you've got your your goal is identified, worked it in a way that that's going to empower you from a belief point of view. You've got you identified memories in the in the past that are aligned with what you want. You've identified future memories that would prove to you that what you want has actually happened, and now you've got to map the journey.
1: So is this step three? I know I do. This reality. would be no, that's cool. This would
2: be this would be uh, this would be <laughs> step three. That okay, we're there mapping the journey, and 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 mapping the journey would be to me stepping back, you know, and and looking at. I mean, I like to think of it in terms of quadrants or sections you know i think about golf fitness i think about my practice play schedule i think about my golf skills or my you know my, my actual physical skills i think about the routines and rituals that i'm doing on a regular basis and that's where i would one of the rituals that i i make a distinction between rituals and routines routines are the things i do on the golf course primarily pre-shot routine and that's mostly cognitive it's mostly left brain right brain I make the right decisions on my targets and I imagine them in my own way, a successful shot, and then I step up and hit it. The rituals are what, I, are what I'm doing off the golf course to condition my state of mind, my emotional state, so that I can, I can think in the most productive possible way, so, so I can be, as you mentioned earlier, so that I can show up, I can be calm, I can, I can be confident, I can be accepting, I can be present, all those things. That's something that you condition off the course. So one of the things that I'd be recommending that you would do is you would take three to five minutes on a regular basis and you would step back. You would take a few breaths, whether you would want to associate it with a a mindfulness program that you're doing or not. You can certainly add it to it. But either way, you can even read it if if you like to do it that way. But on a regular basis, you would say to yourself, or you would visualize it, either one. But you would say to yourself, "This is my goal. These are the memories that I've so assor- that that convince me that that goal is possible, and this is what I'll feel like when that goal happens." And I would, what I would, I do it both ways. Actually, I, I sometimes I'll meditate on it. Sometimes I'll just sit back and I'll say to myself, "Okay, self, this is my goal," and. You know, I'll click back to those two or three or four rounds that really make that goal a possibility, and then I will imagine those two or three moments in the future, and I'll just feel really good about so that. Like
1: snatching, so like I'm thinking of snatching a twenty dollar bill from your buddy at the end of a, at the end of a match. It could be for some people,
2: <laughs> what, whatever it might be. I mean, everyone wants to play their best golf more often, so. You know, I mean, that's what I would do. I, I would I would make that a part of a ritual because I think, as I said in the in the first episode, if this is an event, it may or may not be useful for you. If you just take a half an hour to do it and kind of forget about it, you know, it's probably a half an hour well spent. But if this bec- if this becomes a ritual, if this becomes something that you do on a on a regular basis, and you don't have to you don't have to light candles or go to the beach and literally 3 to 5 minutes but golf for me is a really important part of my life so i'm i'm willing to take that 3 to 5 minutes if i think it's going to be useful for me
1: sometimes when i doze off to sleep i'm fantasizing about striping iron shots
2: well that's that's another <laughs> I serious. i'll but- just,
1: I'll, yeah, I'll just I, I i don't do it on purpose but i'm not usually i'm a, i'm a fairly good sleeper it takes me like 10 or 15 minutes to by the time my head hits the pillow to fall asleep, but somewhere in there during golf season, I'll be replaying striped iron shots or, or drives in there.
2: <laughs> well, what I want to say here is, see, to me, what I'm doing—that's positive thinking. Positive thinking is not that I'm always happy. I'm—I can never be frustrated on the golf course, or I can never be anxious. Positive thinking is I'm putting—I put energy into what I want.
1: No, I think that makes a lot of sense because I know what it's like to put in energy into the negative stuff too. That That's Bingo. not productive. But Because
2: if I'm left to, if I'm left to my own devices, despite what, spending a, a professional career in this stuff, if I'm left to my own devices and if I don't do this stuff for two, three weeks, I'm going to be driving to the golf course for an important tournament thinking about what I want to avoid. I'll guarantee you.
0: I think that's probably the For people thinking that, oh, this stuff is stuff I can't do, you know, even the three to five minutes. I think what John said, just before you go into bed, as you're falling asleep, I've always done this. Just it's it's a good way of helping you get to sleep. Mm. Just say, close your eyes. And as you're going through it, go through your good shots that you hit that day. I've always done that. uh, You know, (laughs) I'm asleep uh, very quickly but next day I'll just repeat the process and, yeah. and start up where I left off and yeah I think it really helps and there's no excuse now because everybody sleeps right that
1: well that's why I love what we discussed in, in the first episode this concept of this narrative and the story you tell yourself now imagine if you were going to sleep with all the shanks in your mind <laughs> which <laughs> I've probably done too at some point I had a, I had a summer where the shanks were a problem for me yeah. it was all I was thinking about and eventually it just went away it ran its course yeah but yeah, you, you mentioned this also, Ken. Each season kind of has different acts. So I'm thinking back to the 2022 season for me. It was probably my best year of golf ever for, for many reasons. But there were stretches of two to three weeks where like, oh, I'm just not hitting my driver that well. I can't, I'm just not really striking on the center of the face. There were these like ebbs and flow like because that's, that's how golf is. And sometimes, unfortunately, the negative – you know feelings can and can run out for months but it's hard not to get into that but i guess this this habit we're talking about where you are bringing the narrative and your history and what you're capable of i don't know if tricking yourself is the right word but at least realigning your your brain to where it should be well
2: and that's where our understanding that this is a journey is is so important and if you look at any Any depictions of journeys we have, whether it's, you know, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or Harry Potter or whatever, there's always ups and downs and challenges and difficulties. But one of the things that I like to do is anticipate obstacles as opposed to this idea that, okay, you know, I've got these these great memories of the past. I've got these things I desire in the future. And, man, they feel awesome when I go there. Now let's just go like a bullet, no deviations, right to it. Well, that's just not going to happen. You, you, you are going to face obstacles. And one, and one of the things that I, I would do for myself or do with a client at this stage of the game is I would ask them, okay, you know, what's held you back in the past? And, you know, typically I, I, guys are going to say things like, well, you know, I sabotage myself, and usually the root of that is like you know there's a fear of failure or a fear of success, and maybe you have unrealistic expectations, or maybe there's been no professional input for you in any of those quadrants. Maybe you're just not golf fit enough, and you haven't reached out to an expert. Maybe your your game isn't where it needs to be technically, and you haven't reached you've never reached out to a coach like Adam. Maybe your 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 mental game is at a whack and you've never, you know, read a book like, like yours, John, uh, you know, or you've never reached out to a coach or, you, you know, there's, there's things that you can do. So, you know, and there could be sometimes there's negative emotional residue from, from your past. And I think identifying those obstacles and asking yourself, okay, you know, if this is, if this is my dream, this is the gulf of my dreams. And, and, there's a genuine possibility i can get there and i'm going to face some obstacles as soon as you identify a dream your shadows are going to pop up and go well oh wait a minute shit this is this is going to be good i mean if you just want to float along doing what you've always done but as soon as you honestly look at honestly look in the mirror and say you know what I, I want to win that club championship or I want to qualify for this or I, or, or, or I, I want to get in the single digits for the first time in my life. As soon as you identify that big dream, man, those those inner headworms are going to pop up and look for opportunities to shut you down. That's just the way it is. So if you can say to yourself, self. What are my obstacles? And Without beating up on yourself, just say, "Look, you know, where have I held myself back in the past? Like, is it because I haven't been dedicated enough, or fit enough, or skilled enough, or some, or whatever enough? And what what can I do to overcome them this time? Because they're going, it's going to happen again."
1: Well, I think that's where the if you are serious about getting better, like we did an episode on statistics, so you can you know, you can get analytical and see what's holding you back. So for me, for example, I had two clubs in my bag that I knew were always going to hold me back from getting to the level I wanted to get to as my driver and my putter. So I had to look at why and then change my habits and my identity and, and, and really tackle the problem head on. Because I do talk to a lot of people who, you know, have this similar problem and say, well, you know, I, I just can't have my driver or whatever the club is for them. And I'm saying, well, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, I just you avoid it. (laughs) That's what, that's what I did. I think that's what a lot of us do is we just, we kind of lock the problem up in a box in a dark room and we try to avoid it. And unfortunately that doesn't work in golf because golf will expose that problem. And again, you can't have it both ways. So if you do want to get better, I think that's where the, the introspection and the analysis and and that type of stuff is, is helpful because as you said, you can't just like say like, Oh, I want to have these great feelings and achieve these goals. But at the same time, it's like, what are you going to change in those quadrants as you put them to achieve that goal? Because again, all the positive thinking in the world isn't going to do it on its own. That, that's where you can yeah. get a little out of, out of control with
2: this stuff. And that's where I like the word obstacles because, you know, it's not a me- like the way it is with golf. I mean, like all of us all the time say, well, you know, I, I need to get better at driving the ball. I need to get better. We can all get better all the time. But if you say to yourself, okay, what's, what's genuinely holding me back, then you can identify, like you did, it's my driver and my putter, or it's my approach shots, or you know what, I'm, I'm really not as fit as I need to be, or I tend to choke in these situations. My mental game needs to be – I need to make some big changes there. And if you can be honest about that and set about a game plan – and if you need to, get the outside expertise it's going to help
1: you. Adam, I know you want to say something. I just got a quick thought in there. There is an opposite to that. And I had to do this for about a decade of my golf life. If you don't have that, like I had a, I had this period in my 20s where I just wasn't happy with golf. I didn't like the way I was playing. And I realized I just don't have the time yeah. or the ability to play enough. So I just made a deal with myself. The new goal is just to go out there and have fun and don't even care about the score. Beautiful. And that was the adjustment I had to make at that time to actually have some type of relationship with golf or else I was going to lose my mind. So some people listening to this do not have the time or the ability. And I think that's something people have to think long and hard about. I put that in my book right at the beginning is that if you don't have the time to do that, then don't put the pressure on yourself to expect the better golf like you can just go out there and have fun it's 10 times a year 15 times a year like i don't want to make people think like this you know a lot of the people listening to the show are hardcore and want to get really better and some people just don't have the time so you have to weigh both of those so i just wanted to present that that side of it as well that's well said you can just enjoy this game on the surface what
2: i don't get though are the hardcore guys and when i say hardcore you know you you see them at i see them at the golf course every day they're obviously into the game. But to my mind, you know, when I listen to them, they don't seem to be willing to put up their hand and go, you know what? I'm going to go all in on being the best golfer that I can be. Instead, I'm going to come to the golf course on a daily basis and grumble about things. So,
1: I know what that feels like. (laughs) (laughs) Adam, Adam, what was your point? I cut you off there.
0: Uh, Just from a coaching perspective, you know, in terms of when you're talking about what obstacles come your way, that's one of the biggest things that I I like to do with a player is ask them what, if this problem comes up, what tools do you have to be able to fix it? So, you know, we we talk about the big three in this podcast in terms of technical things. So I would ask a player in terms of ground contact, if you're fatting it one day, what are you going to do? If you're thinning it one day, what are you going to do? If you're healing it one day, what are you going to do? And if you're towing it, what are you going to do? And then if you're missing it left or right, what are you going to do? Because if a player can't tell me, you know, I'll often find out how good a player is going to be from those answers to the questions. If they say, if I ask them what they're going to do when they fat shots, and they tell me something that, they maybe throw their hands up and say, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll deal with it as it pops up. That's not a game plan. You know, I've I've got not only fat shot fixes, I've got maybe 10, 10 of them. And I've got them ordered in which ones were best for me as well. So I've got such a strong game plan for every possible fault that could come up. I may never use them. You know, my right miss, for example, rarely pops up, rarely becomes a pattern. So I may never use that. But I've got it there. I know what it is. And so, you know, that's something I do as a coach is help people develop fixes and, and order them, structure them in a way that they can implement them on the course. So I know that's more of a technical way of looking at it, but it relates to the what you were talking about earlier.
1: Well, you have to peel the layers of the onion back. So if I said before, like, oh, what's holding me back? Do some analysis. Oh, it's my driver and putter. Then why? What about it? Is 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 it for me, it was strike and face control with with the driver, not striking it on the center, healing it too much, and I could present the face wide open or closed. Big misses on both sides. And the putter, I got some work done where I was pulling a lot of putts. Why? Oh, it turned out my posture and my setup. So you're always, to your point, Adam. You know, once you keep peeling back the layers and getting closer and closer to the root cause, you're saying, okay, these are the issues I'm facing with. Now, when they come up. Can I recognize them and do I have some type of fix for them? So I think that's what we're always trying to do on the show is like keep getting down to the granular level where you understand it. And then more importantly, can you make adjustments on the fly and coach yourself? Like that's, I believe, the holy grail of golf when you get down to it at that very distinct level. We're all nodding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So taking a step back here, we've, Visualizing, you're step three in this. So we're we're visualizing where we want to be. We're, we're realistic about it, and and you know, thinking about what we want out of this game. As we're probably getting close to the end of this exercise, any next steps that you you'd like to do when when we're looking this far ahead to the year?
2: No, I mean I just I think that if you can, this stuff that we're doing here is in the context of our of a, of a, of a larger journey. I mean, for me, the, and my, my biases, I, I want to make sure I'm playing with what I call a scratch attitude, which is fundamentally that I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for being there. And, you know, I feel neutral after a bad shot. I feel good after a good shot and I feel great after a great shot. I mean, that to me, that's the, that's the core foundation, but I love the idea of having said that, you know, I, I love the idea of, of pursuing the, you know, the, the golf, golf of your dreams. I mean, like, why not go all in? Why not do the things that you can do to be the best player that you can be? And not, not the best player that, you know, that your buddy can be or the best player at the club necessarily, but the best player that, that you can be. I I think that that's, and that all of this stuff then orients yourself towards that.
1: Yeah. And I think you could have both on some level. You know, You could be, you could have, we were talking, we had, we had Thanksgiving recently and we were talking at the table with a bunch of family members of, you know, gratitude. And I think it was my sister-in-law was saying, you know, because it was around Thanksgiving, there were some articles and research and that gratitude was one of like the healthiest human emotions we can have for happiness and just being grateful for things yeah. in life. And I think that's number one for golf is just, being grateful for the opportunity to play and get better. And at the same time, yeah, that some that's kind of like a baseline thing, no matter what. And then you could have this other side of you that wants to get better and is competitive with yourself and others. And then trying to strike, the hardest part is the healthy balance between the two. Can you have the day where you play like absolute crap, but come off the course being like, you know what, I still got to play. I still got to spend time with my friends. I still got to be outside. I could have been doing something else. Like I think that's that's the version of golf I want for yeah. everyone, and that I aspire to. Me play. too.
2: I mean, I, I want to enjoy my best shots today, and maybe I didn't hit too many of them, but but I when I did manage one or two, I really really enjoyed it.
0: I think most people will the the initial thing they will say is, "Well, I don't have enough time to become the best version of myself." But everyone can. Become the best version of themselves with their time constraints. Yeah, if you exactly. Have just with that, one that, that hour. is you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you just have one hour a week of practice, well, you can still structure that in a way that's going to be more optimal or get you to your goal faster. You know, you may not be the best version you could ever become if you practice 40 hours a week, but you know, you just do the best with what you have, what you can bring to the table.
2: A great example of what we're talking about, I think, without knowing details about it. I think is the is the book that you've written John you, you know your your four foundations i mean that just didn't you know fall off the back of a car someday and you pick it up and you go oh shit i, I think i should publish this i mean you know you had to have this vision it almost it almost didn't get you know published. your 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 vision had to be you know in part oriented around you know what you wanted to get from it, but in large part oriented around what you wanted to give to people, and now you wanted to share your your knowledge, and then the discipline you had to, you had you know the the regular discipline of, I would assume you know carving out the time from a busy young family to and and your regular business to write this thing. That's to me that's fulfilling a dream and. It's possible. So maybe your dream is breaking eighty for the first time. Maybe maybe your dream is winning a club championship. Who knows what it is? But like go all in, get get that vision, align your belief system with it, and then do what's necessary on a daily basis. And you never know where you can be this time next year.
1: Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I think and and, and to Adam's point, you know, the best version of you, like if I'm thinking like What's the best version of golf for the 26-year-old me? (laughs) It wasn't losing his mind and breaking a club and and making himself a terrible example in front of my friends and playing partners. So the best version of me at that time in my life was literally to just go out and play whatever it was 10 times a year and just have fun and not worry about my score. Fast forward to now, the best version of me is, yeah, I have. I mean, thankfully, with what I've done with my business is that... I do have the time. It's part of what I do to, to try and become the best golfer I can and share what I'm learning along the way. So I can go all in in that way. But we have people listening to this who only have an hour of practice time a week. So, yeah, you, could, you, you there, there's so many different versions of this, of what you want out of the game, what you're going to get out of it, and what you're willing to put into it. So it's that's why I always like to do these thought exercises because – there is no right answer for everyone. There's so many different versions of like what successful quote unquote successful golf is for, for different players. So do we want to wrap it up there? I think we've given people some, you know, if you're looking, if you're looking forward to this, this year of golf, if you're someone like me, who's and Kent, who's in the the cold weather climate, you can ruminate over this over the next few months until the, uh, the ice thaws and the, the green grass reapproaches, or if you're someone like Adam who, who lives in Las Vegas you'll be playing through the winter but yeah you know, just these are these are good thought exercises because if you don't take the time to do this as Kent says if you don't make this a habit and part of your your game because you can't work on this stuff like let's say you don't have time to practice you can have time to sit down and think about these things seriously do it, it it's really I just I'll keep saying this over and over again I'll repeat myself but I just think it's such a important exercise for a game like this that could really take you down the wrong path if you let it. So hopefully we, we got some good ideas for everyone in this series.
2: I don't know an avid golfer who who would say that the mental game is less than 50% of the of golf.
1: And they don't spend 50% of the time yeah, working so, on
2: it. So I mean, uh, yeah, a few minutes a day can pay big dividends.
0: Adam, do you have any uh, big closing thoughts Yeah. I mean, one of the games that I used to play to show people their potential would be a two ball game. So that if, if the course is quiet, we'd go out, we'd hit two balls and we'd pick the best one and we'd repeat that process. So there are Texas scramble with yourself effectively. And from this, you know, you'd get a score. that's often much better, six, seven, eight shots better than your, your best. And so, that to me shows people what their potential is because they were the one they were the ones hitting the shots it wasn't someone else doing it for them and so that at least shows that well if you're able to access your best golf more often you can get close to that you know, so, that, so in terms of, you know, do you need to improve your game or do you need to access your best golf? You know, if someone in that two ball game still shot 10 over par and they wanted to be a scratch golfer, we'd say, well, you don't have the skills to do that yet. <laughs> yeah, you're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, but if someone is, a, a you know, a 20 handicap and playing that two ball game, they shoot level par we'd say, well, you know, 10 handicap is a real possibility here without even changing your technique. If you can just get better at accessing your best shots more often, and you know, this, these mental aspects, your belief, what you're absorbing, your routines, everything like that is is a huge part as to whether you access your best golf or not.
1: Well said. I think that that is an awesome exercise. Yeah. I'll say it again. I think there's there's definitely a better golfer inside of you. I, I believe that for most people. I just have to access it more. And, and a lot of these tools can help. Kent, thank you again for taking the time to do this. And you're, you're continuing to put some good resources out there. Where can people find you?
2: I'm at uh, Scratch Attitude on Twitter and, and YouTube. And at scratchattitude.com, I've, I've written a book called uh, The Golfer Who Developed a Scratch Attitude. And it's, it's an ebook and it's available there. And I also do I also awesome. do some coaching which you can access through, the, uh, through scratchattitude.com.:
0: Great. Adam, yourself, where can they find you? Uh, good thing to work on your winter skills, your actual skills of golf, uh, physical skills. If you go to com, I have the strike plan, and there's actually a winter module in that which will show you a lot of drills that you can do just in your garage garage, sorry. Um, and uh, i think that's a welsh in me yeah and, and then as we said we talk about physical tools you know to be able to deal with obstacles that come up so the accuracy plan is a good one to develop your tools for controlling left and right and uh john where can people find you
1: and i think you could continue this process of introspection and figuring some stuff out with my book the four foundations of golf available on amazon And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Practical Golf. Thank you to everyone who makes it this far into the episode. We appreciate you listening to the show, your feedback, and we will see you next time with a new episode.